0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Volani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Dr. Debbie
1: and dog father Joey Volani, ready to answer your questions about your pets. And uh, they're ready to go. I see that uh, you no longer have Diet Pepsi. You used to come in with a Diet Pepsi. Now it seems like you're just uh, loaded with iced tea today.
2: Iced tea, man. It's way more strong. I've learned that. I've got the shakes today, man.
1: <laughs> more caffeine. But you're ready yeah. to answer the phones, and we'll do that in just a couple of I seconds. Am. Have you ever thought about taking any of your dogs to a doggy detox or doing a canine cleanse? Have you ever heard of that, Dr. Debbie?
3: You
2: know, what? I've heard of it. I haven't had it in my area, but I would consider it because I would do it for myself. You know, we're not talking colon cleanses. We're talking, you know, like a detox cleanse.
1: (laughs) There is this hotel on the West Coast, I believe in Morristown, New Jersey, that specializes in canine cleanses. And they just finished their first Canine Cleanse Week program. And we're going to find out uh, how it went. We'll talk to them in just a few minutes right here. Also, Dr. Marty Becker is back. What do you got on the show, Doc?
4: Going to talking about uh, you got a, maybe you got a new pet or you got an old pet. I want to talk about some things that your veterinarian might not tell you. Ooh. it might be things you need to know, or it might be things they don't tell you on purpose. Uh-oh. Okay, that, that's on the way. I, I'm going to stick around for that. Mm. That's for sure. That's
1: a tease. What about you, Lori? What are you working on for this hour?
5: Well, like our our vets, Dr. Becker and Dr. Debbie, uh, they've probably suspected this for a long time, but there's a new study coming out from uh, the vets up at UC Davis Veterinary School, and they say the color of your cat has got a lot to do with its personality. Hmm. (laughs) It's tood. Catitude. Catitude. Catitude?
1: Okay, that's on the (laughs) way. Let's go to the phones for your calls right now. Hey, Kim, how are you doing?
6: Hi, great.
1: Where are you today?
7: Um, actually, I'm in my vehicle traveling back from Texas, oh. and I was listening to the show. And uh, on my way back to Indiana, um, and I had a question for Dr. Debbie.
2: She's right here oh. for you. Here I am. Hey, what can
7: we do for you? Well, my problem is I uh, I have three rescued dogs. Two of them are Weimaraners. Uh, I've had them for three years. Uh, Sergeant, the oldest male. They told me when I got him from the rescue side that he had had an allergic reaction to uh, rabies vaccine. So um, my vet has him on a different type of a rabies vaccine, but what they didn't tell us at the time was he has all kinds of allergies. And Mm -hmm. um, so we've tried different things. Uh, My vet and I, we've done... uh, He's had his thyroid checked, he's had uh, literally had to have surgery on one of these ears, he developed a hematoma from all the shaking, and it's really, uh, it affects his ears the worst. And uh, I'm just wondering if there's anything else that we can do or try, you know, to see if we can get him some relief. Uh, What, the regime we have him on now that seems to, you know, keep it moderated the best is he takes Benadryl, and he takes about six a day, and they're 50 milligram each, so he's, he's getting about 300 milligrams of Benadryl a day.
2: I'm assuming he's a big-sized boy, then. Yes, he's a, he's a, he's about 106 pounds. Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds about right you know, as far as for yeah. a, a good-sized fella. It would knock us on our toes into <laughs> the floor, yeah. but uh, dogs yeah. are different. And, and so, what else besides the Benadryl? Then,
7: um, then he, uh, I changed food. We tried uh, we tried the prescription diet, which you know didn't get any. Uh, any relief from that, but what I did do was change them to a uh, Neutro dog food, which is okay. supposed to be good for, you know, skin allergies and so forth. Their coats are beautiful, but he's still, without the Benadryl, um, he, you know, he just will drive himself crazy. Mm-hmm. And it almost, on his on the inside of his ears, it almost looks like he has a bazema. But uh, we biopsied him uh, three months ago when they did the surgery on the hematoma. We went ahead and biopsied and sent it in. And they couldn't find, you know, it was no type of a, a mite or anything like that. And like I said, they they checked, you know, did blood work and so forth.
6: And um, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if,
7: if we do that. And then there's also a, a special shampoo that I bathe him in that kind of, you know, helps relieve it somewhat. But didn't know if you knew of any other avenue that we might approach. Or maybe I need to do an elimination diet with him. Maybe they're, you know.
2: Yeah, definitely. And with, um, you know, the... The elimination diets, there's you know a lot of different ones to try. So if you've tried one or two, sometimes you know there's there's other ones out to try. And every every dog is different on what they respond to. Whether they do well with a special a modified um, limited antigen diet, such as like a, a lamb and rice diet or a venison potato diet. And other yeah. dogs do better with the other style, what we call the hydrolyzed protein diet. So, you know, you can kind of mix it up. And if you haven't switched between the two methods, then I'd you know, talk to your vet about that because that might be a, a, a relatively simple thing we can try before we just start getting into some of the heavy-duty stuff because I'd yeah. have to say, you know, that, Kim, it sounds like your veterinarian has done a f- tremendous job in trying to manage this condition. And, and that is the frustrating part is that, Allergies are such a huge chronic problem that um, sometimes we do our best to battle it and to control uh-huh. it but we don't always win. Um, but we just try to keep the pet, the pet comfortable and to prevent some of the side effects, you know, like the hematoma, which is basically a big blood blister on the ear that develops from a lot of scratching and infections. Oh, I, yeah. It was like the yeah, size so, of a hot dog. <laughs> oh, golly, yeah. Now, the the, the next steps included? that I would go, and, um, you know, if if you were here in my office and we've tried all those avenues and I'm comfortable that, you know, we had a, you know, all of the different medicines that we've tried have not brought on a good response, what I would look at is the possibility of doing some allergy testing. Um, okay. And in your area, that if you have a specialist around, that can be done through a, a veterinary dermatologist. If you don't have a specialist around, then a lot of general practitioners can do a different style of allergy testing. And okay. um, my preferred way that I like to do allergy testing is with the dermatologist where we do a skin patch testing, where basically they test the pet against all the common antigens or the allergens in your area um, household things trees, shrubs, human dander, yeah. believe it or not, pets can be allergic to They can test for those things, and um, that is done through a specialist. And now, if you're not inclined to do that or that's not readily available, then a lot of practices um, at mine, we will send out a blood allergy test. So we basically draw blood and send it out to a lab where they test in vitro, you know, in a, and basically in a test, what potential allergens we might be sensitive to. And, And that can help in developing a set of antigens or shots that you can give to help desensitize uh, Sergeant yeah. to some of those common things because you may not be able to eliminate things in his environment, such as trees, right. grass, you know, and neighbors would have a problem with that. So yeah. so yeah. an yeah. allergen hey, actually, therapy.
7: You know, I mean, and we're, we're able to keep him, you know, comfortable that way, but I just feel like, okay, you know, I'm, am I going to shut his liver down eventually with all the Benadryl? You
2: know. Yeah, and Benadryl won't typically, you know, create a lot of concerns in that way. Um, as far as if we were using heavy doses of steroids, which is kind of the next therapy that you can get into if antihistamines don't work, um, but uh-huh. steroids are kind of a slippery slope because they can help allergies, but then you get the whole gamut of side effects with that. Now, uh-huh. besides. Um, prednisone or steroids then we can actually look at cyclosporine and if you haven't looked at that with your veterinarian that might be another option for a large dog it can be very costly in the initial uh, phases Uh of starting the medicine but if we can wean our pets down to maybe just a few times a week dosing it can become more financially uh, uh, reasonable Um, but that's basically an immune modulating drug um, and one of the brand names of that out now is called atopica and i have a lot of success with that for allergy patients. Especially if you know they've been on prednisone and other therapies and just aren't getting you know everything we want, so you might add that into the regimen as well. So and
7: it was called Atopica.
2: It's atopica.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: topica. Okay, um, I will yeah. bro- bro- broach that with her when I get back to Indiana, and, and uh, because he really uh, is a great dog, you know. And,
1: uh, Go give him a big old I hug just, from all of us, and let us know yeah, how it turns I'm, out.
7: I will do that. Thank
1: you so much. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is John O'Hurley. You're listening to Animal Radio.
9: And remember, most importantly, please spay or neuter.
10: Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. oh. oh, oh. My dog's talking to his buddy on Skype. Yeah, that poodle next door really is a snob. Ah! Hey, wait a minute. I do not smell like a human. Ah! Stop telling your friends I have fleas. Ah! I know you are, but what am I? Wouldn't it be great if you could talk to your dogs and they could talk back? A lot of people think their dogs do understand their conversation. Dogs can understand some words. There's no doubt about that. But when you have a conversation with them, they have no idea what you're talking about. We talked about how clicker training speeds up everything. There's more than one way to communicate with your dog. Hand signals with the word. If you have a dog and he knows a command, let's say sit, walk up to him right now. Think up a hand signal that you'd like to use for sit. Maybe it's a closed fist. Maybe it's a chopping motion. Whatever you choose, every time you tell your dog to sit, use that exact hand signal. You'll notice your dog's focused even more than before on what you're doing. Dogs are always watching us, and what they're looking for is signs of leadership. Hand signals are a great way to accomplish that, and to communicate with your dog. They'll also speed up the process of you teaching your dog new things. When you tell your dog he's being good, have a hand signal to go along with it. Have a hand signal for the word treat. If you take time out and watch your dog, you're going to notice your dog spends a lot of time watching you, much much more than you do watching him eventually you can communicate with your dog without talking at all and you'll be amazed how fast he learns new things when you use a hand signal as well as a word for what he's already doing oh. yes we all know you were the first puppy in the litter to be housebroken oh. i can't repeat that i've got hand signals for stop down stay sit get behind me heal watch me or pay attention treat and good dog
8: oh
10: my dog hates that hand signal it's the one i used to tell him we're watching the bachelor oh you're a good dog no dr debbie's not going to give you a shot get more tips at animalradio.com you're
0: listening to animal radio if you missed any part of today's show visit us at animalradio.com or download the animal radio app for iphone and android
3: how would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs We've set up a special toll-free number for the Rx Outreach Program. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now.
11: 800-689-0143. 800-689-0143. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy.
0: Hi, Monique. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from?
8: Uh, Darrell. Cool. This is the road from you guys.
1: Yeah, just down the street. Well, how can we help you? I got the whole dream team here for you.
8: I have a male cat that is my neighbor's that has found my kitty door and likes to come in my house. I'm told he has been sick, but he sprays everywhere. How do mm. I stop him? Mm. Coming in and or... I thought little males could not spray.
2: At- oh, sure. They can. Female cats can okay. spray too. So any cat can spray. <laughs> so yes. So, um, so the word's gotten out. You've got a good place to, to live. So this cat knows what your other cats are saying. Hey, this has got, yeah. My good other food.
8: cats watch him come in and go, Oh, okay. He's here. They don't growl okay. at him. They don't hiss at him.
2: So he just makes himself at home and like puts his feet up on the couch and is watching TV with everyone.
8: Just about yes. And he knows when I come home. He goes, "Oh, she comes home to feed, okay." And he runs around to the where I have the kitty door at and lets himself in and uh, helps himself and and oh. he'll wait till the others have eaten and he'll he hides behind a, a table and then I see his little gold eyes back there and he goes, "Okay, I can come out now." And he just helps himself and I let him eat oh. for a little bit and I throw him
2: out, you know. But, <laughs> Well, the problem is for several things here. One is you're letting him eat. So you're giving him that reward. So kind of Because I know him eat whether I'm there or not. Well, yeah, but you, but you have to take take responsibility for your actions and part of this equation because you're giving him a reward for coming in the house. So to ask him to not come in when you're giving him rewards is, uh, you know, that's that's asking a bit much from a cat who's learned how to be a polite guest in your house. So he is very really polite guest, and that's why I kind of have a hard time with him. But at the same time, it's just like okay. Okay. So your situation is a little different than our average caller that I field a lot. A lot of times I'll get people saying, ah, you know, I've got neighbors cats that coming around. How do I keep them from spraying on my front door, my porch? That's a different type of approach because those kitties, we use outdoor deterrence to keep them away from the home. With this kitty, the solution that I would have for you is to get a a motion activated or a um, a microchip activated uh, pet door. So instead of just having a door that anybody can come in willy-nilly, we want to get one that is activated, sometimes by either magnets or microchips. But the the new technology with microchips is that they can um, actually wear either a collar that has a microchip. Um, I do believe there are some that actually can be synced with your pet's existing microchip Um, so that when they come up to the door, it opens for that pre-programmed number. And then if, uh, say, a... A raccoon comes up or a stray cat that doesn't have access, that door will not open for them. So unless that cat is like right on your kitty's heels and is coming in the door, they're not going to be able to get access. So that that would be the best solution. And you may need to look at different pet stores. Um, You may want to go online. I do believe there's a resource, um, Pet Doors. I think it's petdoors.com or .org or something like that. But they go through some of the different descriptions of the technology with um, doors. And there's a lot of things out there. So a lot of people don't know you can have this kind of limitation. So And that also helps a little bit with security for, you know, people, or, um, other critters. I had a client who's, um a pit bull ran in and, and killed their animals in their house. Um, ran through the doggy door and just um, kind of ramsacked the house. And uh, yeah. so well, you can kiddie restrict kiddie that. Up,
8: you know, yeah, they have to climb a couple of stairs to get in to the kitty door because it's hooked onto the bathroom window, so it's not on oh, the wow. ground. Even you gotta come up a
2: way. Well, that's good. At least you've restricted the dogs and uh, you know the yeah. things like maybe coyotes. So my but yeah. Is,
8: is well, do, do you know if those pet-type windows that are, use sensors like that, if you can hook up multiple collars or multiple tags? Because I have four cats.
2: Yeah, I believe so. And I don't know the specifics on each and every product, oh, but, um, right. yeah, they definitely do. They do have that capability for more than one pet. So, yeah, okay. that that should be something that you can... I would have to be could... able to think it up for four different ones, because all their microchips right. would be different. Right. Absolutely, and and from from what I understand, um, and I'm not sure if my friend has one called the Sure Flap, and I'm not sure if that pre-programs for multiple ones, but I'm pretty sure it does. Um, okay, so that, yeah, that that would be a solution. And you know, the reality is, okay, so you know, if you can keep this cat out of the house, that may help. Um, and is it? Are we confident it's that cat that's spraying, or do we know if your cats are spraying?
8: I am confident it is that cat because it's where he hides. Mm, maybe, on the maybe not of the table yeah maybe not
2: yeah so it doesn't necessarily because your household when that cat is gone they may be coming up to that area as well and marking so so that's the challenge that we have is when we have a territorial signal and that's what urine marking is yeah, It's you know a cat saying hey this is my zone man you know i'm marking it it's like graffiti it's cat graffiti on the wall yeah um So that's basically the essence of what it is. So, you know, if we can keep that cat out, it might help the urine marking situation if it's either that cat or your other cats objecting to the presence of it and saying, hey, this is my corner of this dining room or whatever. Um, I'm going to make my scent known because I see you're over there. So it could help in either scenario. But the other things that I do recommend to do would be to just look at where your cat's resources are, litter boxes, food water perching sites and make sure it's at an area that's a, a bit distant from the access points in the house so like the the cat door or the human door um because those are areas where a lot of times they will either see or smell outside cats so we want to make sure yeah. those resources are comfortable that they don't feel threatened that they're not real visually um accessible to those other animals outside so that yeah, that's just that's, kind of a psychological change yeah the food in the in the in
8: the front room and the litter boxes are in the bathroom but this cat just sprays
2: willy nilly. He
8: sprayed in the bathroom. He sprayed in
2: the fireplace. Until you see him in the act, I'm I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because there's multiple cats in this household, and um, you know you you have to be certain that it's it's really that one before we talk about who's at fault here. Okay. I'm willing to do that. All right. Well, good luck with that. And make sure you do use in those areas the cats have eliminated a good enzyme-based cleaner. Avoid ammonias. That that was my next question is how do I clean that? No ammonia cleaners and no bleach because those are strong attractive, So it does nothing to deter a cat. But the enzyme-based products actually break down the odors. Um, So that's what you're going to look for um, to help clean the site. Okay. Good luck with things, Monique. (laughs)
11: you <laughs>
9: Hi, this is Joyce Hewitt on Animal Radio.
0: Please stay and neuter your
8: animals.
0: Thank you. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more.
3: This is an Animal Radio News
5: Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A hairless terrier and an ancient North African hound are now ready to run with the pack of dog breeds that are recognized by the American Kennel Club. The AKC is announced at the American hairless terrier and the slugy have joined 187 other recognized breeds. American hairless terriers are bare-skinned, though some have kind of short coats that do carry the hairless gene. Their rise began when a hairless puppy was born in a litter of rat terriers back in the 70s. The slugie also called the American Greyhound, was developed to hunt. They're kind of lean, leggy dogs that have some similarities to salukis, and they're known for speed, endurance, and grace, but they're kind of resilient reserved dogs Veterinaries from the University of California at Davis have discovered that cats with calico and tortoiseshell coat patterns tend to challenge their human companions more often than cats whose fur is not so flashy. The research backs up long-standing observations among veterinarians that such cats are often difficult, you might say. The study based on a survey of more than 1200 cat owners found that calicos and torties are more likely to hiss, chase, bite, swat, and even scratch humans during interactions the uc davis data also suggests that cats with gray and white and black and white coats are slightly more likely to engage in those behaviors as well and researchers said they found that to be kind of surprising cats sporting other colors including solid black though they say display aggressive personality characteristics far less often. So if if you're not familiar with cat coloring, calicos are mostly white with patches of orange and black, and torties often have coats that feature a variety of black, brown, amber, and red patches too. And because two X chromosomes are necessary to produce that coloring, the vast majority of both types of cats are female. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal
3: Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
12: Vinny Penn coming back at you on Animal Radio with the Party Animal segment. Um, this one tops them all. Got to tell you, invitation in the mail the other day. Invitation. Not even Email postage paid to my wife. She was invited to a birthday party for her friend's cat. Now one, I've been telling her for ages. this girlfriend of hers she's passed the, she's she's crossed the line. She's passed the point of no return. She's in her 40s. This cat is the love of her life. It's just her, the cat, a quilt and a big jug of Ben and Jerry's. That's it. Oh and she knits. I mean this is it this cat is her life. and that's great. But to throw the cat a birthday party, is the, that is a cry for help. I told my wife, you're not a good friend. This is a cry for help, and you're not responding to this. And like I said, maybe if she emailed it, stamps were put on these. Are people going to show up? Are they going to sing it to this cat? Are they going to say, how old are you now? And expect the cat to scratch out. Oh, what does she do? She's three. Be a good friend. Take the invitation to your local therapist, write your friend's phone number on it or address, and get a straight jacket fitted. Vinnie Penn,
0: Party Animal, Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Is she on the phone? This is really cool. This happened last week. Deb Montgomery is joining us from the Morris Animal Inn, and they're located in Morristown, New Jersey, and they had a doggy detox program. And this, you know... (laughs) I know yeah. it sounds silly, but a lot of people like to go through their cleanses, and right. that's exactly what they have offered dogs. So we'll find out exactly what's going on there. Let's welcome to the show Deb Montgomery. Hi, Deb.
13: Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
1: well, you need to explain, what what was this event you had, the Doggy Detox Program?
13: Yes. Um, to kick off the new year, uh, we had a canine um, cleanse, and it's a health, health wellness getaway camp, so it's just... For the week, and it was a fantastic event. A lot of dogs came, and um, a lot of fun with the detox drinks and whatnot. So, uh, a lot, a lot of fun happening here. Now, is this, <laughs> is
1: this humans and dogs, or just the dogs?
13: It's just the dogs.
1: Okay, so no, no humans allowed.
13: Bummer! I wanted to sign up. Ah, <laughs> I know. I know. A lot of people say that. I mean, um, the the veggies and the smoothies that are that are put together definitely a human could drink it as well. So,
1: well, a bunch of Uh, dog guardians shelled out uh, what I think $260 for a week there and what did the animals get
13: you know, we have a lot of activities um, the past week. We had a relay race, a doggy mud run, hiking. We did a lot of nature trail runs. Um, we had a Zumba dance party and a, a obstacle course. And then along, you know, we also had some spa amenities going on, too. We had blueberry facials and coconut oil and spritz brushouts. We had a lavender towel treatment. Um, we also had um, baby powder belly rubs and then a poticure where you're massaging the paws a little bit there. And then, of course, with the juices, we kind of mixed it up a little bit between, um, we had bananas and blueberry drinks, we had green bean protein shake, kale and carrots drink, apple and peanut butter blend, and like a pumpkin and yogurt as well. So we really did a lot of things. And uh, wow. <laughs> they went home absolutely exhausted, but definitely more relaxed and healthy and happy, and clients loved it.
6: <laughs> now, did they stay the night for the week or was this just the day thing?
13: Well, you know, some of the dogs did spend the night. Um, there is an option. It is a daycare event, but um, we do offer lodging as well. So we did get both.
1: Do you offer regular daycare throughout the year?
13: Yes, absolutely. We have um, throughout the year's daycare as well as we have special events all throughout the year. So um, so yes.
1: <laughs> How did this start? This, uh, this is kind of an, an interesting take on a kennel.
13: You know, we have always um, believed... Well, the family's been around, um, the business has been around since 1960. And so through the years, we really like to take care of our guests. Uh, both dogs and cats come here. And uh, we want to make sure that they have the best quality care. And we want to make it fun. So it's really just a fun event that we put together. You know, we brainstormed, we did research, we talked to a lot of people, talked about um, to the clients as well, just to see what their needs are. And, um, and this is what we came up with. <laughs>
1: do you think you're going to do it again next year?
13: You know, what we do is, um, you know, we get feedback and everything. It seems like everybody loved it. It is a possibility. We do change things up all the time, though, so it's hard to really say definitely um, because we're always, um, you know, we want to keep things new and fresh and fun.
6: (laughs) Now, can I do any of these things at home to detox my dog since I missed out on it?
13: Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, we always recommend speaking to your veterinarian um, as well because, you know, each dog is different. They have different needs. And we always recommend, you know, small doses because, (laughs) you know, a lot of times if you're starting something brand new with your pets, I mean, they can have, you know, diarrhea or something, you know, you never know. So you want to be safe and sorry. So um, definitely small doses. So, For example, with our kale and carrots drink that we did, um, you know, if you add a little chicken broth in there, throw it in the blender, I mean, it really entices them. And I mean, they lapped it up. They loved it. (laughs) So it's definitely stuff you can do at home.
1: Dr. Debbie, you should uh, have one of these at your office there.
2: You know, I, I would be signing up, and I, I think if you threw the people in with it, you'd even get, like, you know, a meditation time. Like, I, I was going to ask you, do, do you have any uh, problems where you say have, like, a, a rogue retriever who's, like, being disruptive during meditation hours or something?
13: <laughs> you know, we do have an energetic bunch sometimes, but by the end, I'll tell you, they really, they're falling asleep. They're relaxed once we get to that point where we have the conversation music and, you know, we have um, the massages and, you know, just letting them um, take that moment to relax. You'll be surprised how even the energetic ones tend to start to get really calm, especially with those around them, you know, they realize, wow, you know, um, and they go home just uh, i wish you could talk to our clients too they're they're so happy that because they're working all day because they're doing things during the day the fact that they have us to take care of that for them um when they go home and they pass out they send us pictures of them like rolled over passed out on the couch (laughs) they're like this is what you did for my dog thanks so uh (laughs) that's how we know we're doing okay
1: uh, the website is morrisanimalin.com. If you're in the New Jersey area or plan to be, this looks like a, a fabulous place to uh, have the animal spend a few hours at. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll put all that information over at animalradio.com. Thanks so much for hanging with us. Deb Montgomery, the Morris Animal Inn Marketing Manager. Check it out. A luxury pet spa and resort. I think there's another job for us.
13: We there should open go. up
6: one of these yes, over on the should, West Coast. On
13: the West Coast. I'm That's saying. Right. <laughs> yep. Thank
11: you. This is Animal Radio. I am the family dog, and
0: it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today.
7: Hi, this is Maya Bialik on Animal
8: Radio. Please adopt a pet.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio.
1: And we are celebrating the connection with your pet. You know, the conversation we were having on Facebook this last week was about whether or not your dog or cat or iguana, whatever it is, do they sleep in the bed with you? Because 20 years ago, the dog was out back in a kennel.
6: Yeah, they weren't even in the house.
1: Now they're in the house, they're family members, and in my situation, I have cats all around me at night. In fact, I blame all of my back troubles (laughs) <laughs> on the cats. Be- I
6: know. You won't move them, do you? You have to move for them.
1: I have a lot of trouble with the animals in bed. Joey, you were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Or-
12: yeah, it's 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 terrible. We have the four Karen Terrys that sleep in a um, king size bed with my wife, and I'm not allowed to get into the bed. Deal. They basically attack you. Remember Jinjin on Genie? Oh. Think of Jinjin, okay, but four times, and um, just, you know, tearing you up because you're getting in the bed. So I sleep in the other room.
6: <sighs>
1: yeah, I would put an end to that. What is your wife? She she doesn't mind, does she? She's
6: okay
1: with that? No, she wants me be in the other room. What are you kidding me? You know. <laughs> She's probably trained
6: adults. i tell the you dogs. what, it, yeah. it's, it's,
12: most of the time it ain't too bad being in the other room. So,
6: Do your pets
1: sleep with you? We go to Sugar. Hey, Sugar, is Sugar your real name?
14: It is.
1: I love that. I bet <laughs> you're a sweet gal, too. Huh?
14: <laughs> well... Yeah. That may be debatable. We'll have to ask my husband <laughs> that one.
1: <laughs> do you let your animals sleep in
6: bed with you?
14: Yes, I do. Uh What kind of animals I do you do. have? I do. I have two pugs, and uh, my younger one, who is nine years old, has slept in my arms
6: Aww. from the time
14: she was six weeks old.
6: In your Aww. arms every In my night? arms,
14: and that's how she goes to sleep. She crawls under the covers and then crawls back out and keeps her... Two front paws on my upper shoulder and head on my shoulder and stares at my husband next to me. Does she keep him away? Between us.
6: Does she keep him away from you?
14: Uh, She won't move. (laughs) So the answer is yes. How big is she now? How much does she weigh? She doesn't weigh too much. She's uh, probably about 10 pounds. She's a real little one. And my male sleeps on my other side, but more towards my hip.
1: What does your old man think of this?
14: He's not happy. Yeah. The thing I
1: noticed with the cats is it's really ruined my spontaneity, if you know what I mean. Well,
14: we have cats, too, and we have a lock on our bedroom door because my one cat opens the door with, opens the door handle.
6: Oh, wow. So you don't let the cats on the bed, though?
14: Well, I do if the dogs aren't going to chase them. But it's usually a chase game. So at night, my cats are up at night. Um roaming. They think that they're catching things and they're just uh, going after the dog toys and carrying them and screaming while they're carrying them. Yeah, wow. I can't see having so your bed as a racetrack. We keep them locked out so we could sleep and there's no chase things going on.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, I feel for your husband
14: there. But you know what? We've always slept with our animals, but it, it's not been where they have slept in the middle like yeah, my female I so. does. I mean, we, we used to sleep with our do between us
12: so they would much rather have your husband out of the bed is basically no what you're saying,
14: not really but um <laughs> i'm not gonna move my pug <laughs> or is she gonna move
8: mm, okay
14: okay all right thank you for your uh, call it was nice uh hearing your um radio show this morning is
1: this the first time you've heard it
14: it is i'm not usually up i was on my way to my son and daughter-in-law, she uh, went into labor this morning. Oh, congratulations.
1: Do we have a baby? No,
14: but it was a false alarm. False oh. So I, um, nine o'clock came back home.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, we appreciate... it I will
14: be listening to it. You now. can also
1: catch the podcast after it airs nationally. I'll encourage you to check out the website at animalradio.com.
14: I will, for sure. Thank you very much oh, thank for you. calling. Boy, nice talking with you.
1: Two new listeners in one day here. This is exciting for me. If you're a new listener or if your animal sleeps in the bed with you, we'd love to hear from you.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
15: How would medical researchers build the perfect needle for sensitive injections or brain tissue sampling? Of course, they'd look to nature. And where in nature would they find the perfect needle? On the sharp end of a mosquito. Mosquitoes are the most dangerous creatures on Earth, carrying diseases that infect 700 million people a year and kill two million. This is because, for millions of years, they've been so good at sticking their beaks into us. They do this with a special six-part proboscis. There's a pair of maxillae, tiny serrated blades that vibrate to quickly saw into the tissue. A pair of mandibles holds the tissue apart as the maxillae cut so they can continue deeper. A tube-like hypopharynx injects saliva which contains a numbing agent, an anticoagulant, and a blood vessel dilator, and a V shaped labrum draws up the blood. Scientists analyzed these parts, then set out to copy them. They built tiny saw blades of glass crystals and vibrated them with a piezo motor, like in a wristwatch. Two tiny needles held the puncture apart, while a third ultrafine needle made the injection or drew the sample. These are lubricated with a topical anesthetic and constructed to be flexible. Like a mosquito's proboscis, which reduces the pressure at the puncture site by thirty percent, the result is a completely painless micro needle for the most sensitive uses—a comforting gift from that most bothersome insect. I'm Scott Tinker. Check out Animal Radio highlights:
0: all the good stuff without the blah blah blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet.
6: Hi, this is Iron
8: Chef Cat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet.
3: How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the Rx Outreach Program. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now.
11: 800 689 0143. 800 689 0143. 800 689 0143. That's 800 689 0143.
0: Mm -hmm. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, hey, hey, this hour, as if last hour wasn't enough,
1: this hour, Dr. Marty Becker's going to be on with us. And he has a list of, I think, three things that your veterinarian might not tell you, or they might actually tell you and they shouldn't be telling you.
2: Or they might forget to tell you because they're Mm. so busy. There you go. That (laughs) seems to be my day. (laughs) Just running in circles and you forgot the last note.
1: Well, no, you seem, you're a very transparent vet. And we all know every vet is different. One vet might say something different than another vet. But in your practice, you're very transparent. Is there really anything that you don't tell your clients?
2: Um. I don't always tell someone when their dog is not attractive. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. You mean there's ugly animals? There's ugly cute. But you know, it, I've always learned that if you can't say something nice, you don't say anything at all along <laughs> that vein.
16: There you go. Okay.
1: You know what? So. I, I think you still are, are pretty transparent. I probably wouldn't tell anybody if they had an ugly dog either, but I'm with uh, Judy on It's that. a rarity. I've it's a never rarity. seen an ugly dog.
2: So yeah. it's, uh... Have you seen an ugly kid though?
1: Uh, oh lots of ugly kids oh yeah yes
2: uh-huh. <laughs> we're all counting on our fingers oh i can think a lot of them
1: <laughs> okay well dr becker will be on and he'll tell us those things that he believes your vet might not be telling you or shouldn't tell you one or the other he'll be here with that Lori brooks what are you working on over there in the newsroom
5: well a little more serious vein here our government i didn't know this the usda Actually, licenses animal dealers. And this is just a really ugly business. There's a new documentary out on it. Uh, but what goes on behind the scenes, we'll tell you next.
1: Oh, okay. Boy, this is a really engaging show today. Yes, if I wasn't, is. if I didn't have to be here, I'd still be here just to listen. That's, <laughs> hmm. What do you say we go to the phones for your calls right now, directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android? Hey, Jesse, how you doing?
9: I'm doing good, thank you.
1: How can we help you? I have the whole dream team here for you.
9: I have a 15-year-old cat um, who, uh, about two years ago, became a diabetic. And okay. uh, we've been giving him about four and a half units twice a day, and he seems to be fine up until about a couple weeks ago. We moved him up to have him retested. Uh, the numbers were in the 400s, so they increased it to uh, five and a half units in the morning and okay. five and a half units at night. And now he has a, uh, uh, when we retested him, he came in at about 20 or 23.
2: Holy cow, really low. Okay.
9: Yeah, really low. So I'm wondering if you have any other suggestions because the doctor has suggested giving him two in the morning and then at nighttime and then on the next day just give him two and then the day after give him two and two and so forth. Then we're going to have him retested this week.
2: So he's suggesting to drop down like half the dose eventually? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And can I ask what kind of insulin he's on?
9: He said it was for uh, specifically for animals, uh, but I, I don't have the insulin available okay. to look at right now.
2: Okay. So you buy it at the veterinary office? I
9: do. I do. He okay. said it's ex- exclusively meant for cats or animals.
2: Okay. Maybe PZI or Prozinc?
9: Yeah. I think it might be like a Prozinc.
2: Prozinc, okay. Yeah. So that is a cat specific um, insulin. And the reason I ask is because there's, there's different insulins that sometimes we're a little bit more prone to having issues with. Um, okay. A lot of insulins. A lot of folks will testify now that um, pet insulin it can be quite expensive. You know, some of the stuff could be 150 bucks. Yeah. Um, there are other alternatives that sometimes could be cheaper. Um, some of the different human ones we may modify and use. We may use that with modification for for animals, and and just it can vary on how well one works for a cat versus it, it would work for a person. So in general, so let's kind of back up a little bit with diabetes. Um, very similar to people. You know, we have a goal. We want to keep the blood sugar in a nice, healthy range in cats. So we'd try to keep uh, the blood sugar maybe between 100 to 200 would be like, like the sweet spot we'd want to stay with. Um, so 400 this is pretty darn high. 20 correct, on the other correct. end is exorbitantly low, um, so low that that is at great danger for um, physical illness. And I, I was going to ask you if you had noticed that he was having any symptoms of hypoglycemia, being weak, listless, seizuring, anything of yes. that nature.
9: Yeah, he was falling and uh, unable, okay. uh, unsteady, unable to walk, and uh, mm-hmm. looked dizzy. Okay. And yep. um, sometimes I, I thought he was... Uh, His limbs out straight. Um,
2: Mm, Okay, so yeah, he may may have actually been going into seizures then, yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So blood sugars below 40 put us at risk for seizure activity and death. Uh, So yeah, that becomes really serious if they're getting levels at around 20. So that being said, um, there's a couple things that could be going on. One could be as simple as we're giving more insulin than he needs at this time in his life. And um, there are cats that can go into diabetic remission. And usually that, if that's going to happen, it's usually in a newly diagnosed diabetic. So, um, So say I I just diagnosed a kitty with diabetes today. Um, If we put them on a low carbohydrate diet and get on good insulin therapy and keep those blood sugars tight, you know, maybe up to as many as 80% of cats can go into remission, meaning that they don't need insulin anymore. Okay. If a cat's been on insulin for months or years and they're not really well regulated, they're kind of regulated, but their numbers kind of pop up and down all over the place, then they're less likely to go into a remission. Um, and I think the numbers are less than 25% could go into like where you don't need insulin anymore. So one possibility is your kitty could be going through some kind of diabetic remission, meaning that we uh, no longer need to give insulin at all or maybe just not to that dose that we're currently doing right now. So that's certainly a possibility. So I do think the idea of backing down by 50% of his dose sounds really reasonable um, and and probably the safest thing you can do. And then, yes, retest him. Um, There are also situations where we can get misled with blood sugar levels in animals. And cats, they're really sneaky. Cats have the ability to shoot their blood sugar up almost 250 or even 300 points with just stress. So, meeting, putting your cat in the carrier, going to the vet office, and showing up, your cat may already have a blood sugar of 350. And it's nothing you've done different or wrong. It's just the stress effect. Okay. Um, so, that can be tricky. And that's one reason why we like to keep, if we're doing a curve, we keep a cat through the day to check their um, blood sugars throughout the day because we will see consistently where that goes throughout the maybe an eight or 12 hour period of time. So okay. that could be the other possibility is that, you know, if, if we only saw a few numbers in a, a blood uh, check that they did on the last time, we might have seen a 400 and thought, wow, he really needs more insulin. But if six hours later he was at 80, that may mean, ooh, no, he probably doesn't. Right. So I think, I think your, your vet's got the right idea there, and I would definitely concur okay. with dropping that dose and then just reevaluating and seeing. And then diet-wise, what are you feeding this guy?
9: Uh, it, he's gone to canned food.
2: Okay, and and that's where with cats, they're kind of like a lot of people um, that, you know, with monitoring diet, limiting carbohydrates in their diet, we can actually, you know, in many of these kitties, get them either off insulin or decrease the amount they need. But carbohydrate levels, you know, maybe below 20% of their um, calorie content from um, carbohydrates. Um, So maybe 12 or 15 would maybe be ideal. So that's where prescription diets can, can often help to better regulate a cat with diabetes. So you can check check with your veterinarian on that as well.
9: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, keep us
1: posted. Uh, You can ask your questions toll free from the free animal radio app for iPhone and Android.
2: And we have Sue on the line. Hi, Sue. Well,
17: hi. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Where are you calling us from?
17: Uh, Tampa, Florida. What's going on? I'm calling about a dog that I adopted um, from the animal shelter in uh, November. And okay. I was visiting him. Well, actually, I'm a dog walker, and I fell in love with him um, last summer, and I brought him home in November. Uh, he's a five-year-old Lab catahoula mix, and he's okay. a great dog. Love him to death. But I live here with my husband, and my daughter and her husband live with us uh, temporarily. And this dog seems to be confused who his owner is. I think is that possible? How so?
2: Well, what's, well, what's he doing?
17: He 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 follows me around when I'm here by himself, by myself with him. But when my son-in-law walks in, he just takes off, and he won't come to me when I call or anything. He it's like he thinks he's his dog and he's mine.
2: <laughs> and that bothers you, huh?
17: <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I maybe it's jealousy, but but seriously, I mean, I I can't. He he just you know he just clings to him, and I have to like really encourage him to come with me um, to get him away from him. And I'm thinking, does he think he's his dog?
2: Well, he, this might be something more than just, um, you know, who's, who's the head, head dog of the house, if you will. Um, who's the caretaker of the home? You know, who's giving him food? Who's letting him outside, taking care of all of his needs? M-
17: majority, of that would be me. But playtime okay. is my son-in-law. He definitely okay. plays with him more than I do.
2: Well, you may have the same phenomenon going on in your house that I have in mine. I do all of what you just described. You feed them, um, take care of all of the medications, the light grooming, things like that. And my dogs, when I come home from work every night, they attack my husband and start playing with him and giving him attention. And I am truly chopped liver, and they just have no interest in anything that I have to do. But you know, that's where it's kind of what what resource the different individuals are giving. Now, if he is always kind of anxious and following people around the house, then then that would be maybe a little bit more of something we need to talk about in the household setting, about maybe setting up some routines that are really predictable for him. But mm-hmm. if it's when your, your son just comes home and it's a playtime, then I don't necessarily think that's a... Forgetting who's the owner type thing. It's just um, you know that's the activity that they participate in together. No different than if a you know a colleague came over and they played in the backyard. It's ooh yay! Every time I see this person, we play. So there's a really oh, big okay. positive reward. Yeah. Oh okay. And,
17: well, that makes that makes me feel better. Yeah. I, I, mean,
2: didn't want, and, I didn't
17: want because I've never had an older dog like this before. Um, I thought you know that was part of when you adopt a dog, an older dog kind of thing, and I just was
2: confused. Well, well Sue, you. I don't. I totally sympathize with what you're going through because it is it's a daily battle in our household, <laughs> and it just doesn't seem fair because when you provide all of the love, all of that attention, and um, you know, I just can't even get a good petting or a head scratch come the end of the day. So, I'm with <laughs> you there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your call, Sue.
17: Hi, this is Justin Silver from CBS's Dogs in the City here on Animal
0: Radio, just reminding you to always stay new to your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It's Animal Radio. And if you look onto your phone, or if you're old school in your wallet, and all the pictures you have are of your pet none of your spouse or any of your uh, human friends, then this is your show, Animal Radio. We're all just a little bit crazy about our animals here, and we'd love to talk to you about it, especially if you're having a problem. We have Dr. Debbie here to answer your vet medical questions. And if it's a grooming issue, we have dog father Joey Volani. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom?
5: Well, another government story. A government agency going to be putting out something that all of us pet lovers are going to love. We'll tell you what it is on the way.
1: The government, huh? Mm Mm-hmm.
5: Okay. Occasionally, they do something for animals. Okay. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Hal.
1: How are you doing?
5: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: Good. What's going on with your animals?
8: Well, my animals. I my my little dog has really bad breath.
2: Little dog has okay. bad breath. Okay. So, what kind of dog?
8: He's a little Chihuahua, Terrier mix.
2: Oh, okay. Chihuahua, though. And how old is he?
8: Uh. She will be 3 years she...
2: old this month. Okay. All righty. So um well I'll tell you the bad breath. I mean, we talk about yeah. doggy breath. And there's there's three top things that I think of when I to ha- when I have somebody who is talking about bad breath in their dogs. Uh-huh. Okay. First one First one is dental disease.
8: Okay.
2: Second one is dental disease. And- <laughs> really? And the third one is dental (laughs) disease. (laughs) And
8: I'm sure you're writing all three down too.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's, it's just a known fact. Um, Uh by two years of age, over 75% of dogs and cats already have some degree of dental disease present. Yeah, and think. we may not always see it. Um, it may not be something that's jumping out at us, but it, mm-hmm. it is there. And the reason is really because the teeth are, there's above the gum line and below the gum line. And only 40% of the tooth is above the gum line, what you can see. Okay. Um, so that means that there is processes going on underne- underneath the gum line. So we have bacterial film, we get plaque build up and then we get this uh, you know more mineralized tartar with time. Okay. So especially in a chihuahua um because they do have a lot of uh, typical dental problems. So at that age I would certainly be talking about doing a dental cleaning. Okay. And it's more than just, you know, you know if there's not a lot of tartar, there's other stuff we do. So we do full Oral charting, and that means we're basically going to kind of probe under the gum lines. We're going to look for um, pockets along the teeth, which can indicate periodontal disease. And a lot of times, we'll get odor from bacteria down in those pockets. Okay. So that's uh, an important thing. And also, you know, the veterinarian will check and make sure that the tonsils look good, that there's no masses or anything like that. That could be also okay. be contributing to the to the odor. Okay. And you know, and I do make jests, <laughs> saying everything's due to dental disease, but right. the other types of things that can cause bad breath tend to be More medical in nature. So we might be looking at, you know, GI disease, gastric reflux. Um, We might have something like diabetes or kidney disease, um, sinus infections, things like that. So those in a younger dog, we might think a little less of. And I definitely would focus my radar on the the dental health.
17: Um, My friend recommended giving my dog greenies. What do you think?
2: Well, you know, I think that's something that we can use to go along with complete oral care but it is not okay. a replacement for no. okay. dental okay. cleanings or for you know other types of home care so okay. Once I do have a dog that's had his teeth cleaned, then I definitely do follow up with whatever we can do at home to help him stay clean and also to keep, um, you know, the bacteria does, and the Does that include, like, brushing teeth? Absolutely. And, well, oh. the best thing that can be done for home care is teeth brushing. That's the best thing. And we okay. want to do that every couple days because okay. the soft kind of plaque will become mineralized within about three days if we don't dislodge it. So okay. that's can we get we real
1: just for just a second? Do you do, you do that with BOSS?
2: You know what? I I um, okay. uh, <laughs> I do have a toothbrush and we do brush his teeth, but the frequency of which is not what I recommend. So Just check it. Uh, it's my husband's job. I will say that. Okay. <laughs> He's the one supposed to be doing that. So, but yes, that's the best thing you can do. But there are, there's some, some other great home care products, some through your veterinarian and then some might be over the counter and your veterinarian will have products that have ingredients like chlorhexidine, which is a anti microbial um, solution that they can you can apply to the gums and it helps to decrease the odor and the bacteria in the mouth and can help to keep the plaque from building up. So there's a lot of different forms for that. Um, also some of the oral products that contain zinc can be used for bad breath and it basically is because zinc interferes with the bacterial um, proliferation so it therefore helps with the odor associated with dental disease. Well, a lot of answers there, Lisa. Thank
1: you so much for your yes, call. Thank you. Good thank luck you on the, ba- yeah, good luck on the bad breath there.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
3: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals
17: are people too. What can you do when coyotes keep killing your goats? Well, you could get a guard donkey. That's what a goat farmer in Massachusetts did when coyotes killed two of his favorite goats. An attack donkey sounds like a wacky idea, but Katherine Peterson of the University of Rhode Island's Veterinary Science Department disagrees, saying that donkeys have an inherent dislike of dogs and could be a pretty big threat to coyotes looking for a goat dinner. Pika, the guard donkey was a little shy at first. She wouldn't eat for a couple days, but soon took up with one of the larger goats. She now seems right at home with her goat family, braying a lot and keeping those coyotes away. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio.
13: Animals
17: are people too. Animal Radio.
8: Hi, this is Iron Chef Kat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet.
3: How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the Rx Outreach Program. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now.
11: 800-689-0143. 800-689-0143. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143.
3: This is an Animal
5: Radio News Update lori brooks really good news about a really bad problem now buried in a massive government spending bill is a provision that will shut down shady animal dealers who buy and sell pets for research all paid for by your tax dollars but that could be changing if congress does the right thing and cuts off funding to pay for licensing of what they call class b animal dealers by the usda you see every year these licensed dealers with illegal bunchers round up thousands of dogs and cats who will then end up in laboratories. These animals include illegally trapped stray dogs and cats. Some, in fact, are even stolen right out of their yards. Others are purchased from shelters and flea markets, usually for under $20, and then sold to laboratories for hundreds of dollars. The USDA says Class B dealers supply laboratories with only about 3,200 dogs a year, but other sources, including the HBO documentary Dealing Dogs, places that number at closer to forty thousand each year. Twenty animals that people love and keep as pets will be on an upcoming set of first-class forever stamps issued by the Postal Service. A tan and white puppy, a golden lab, a spotted kitty, a tabby, and a dappled gray horse. They each have a stamp of their own, as do a white mouse, some green parakeets, a blue and gold macaw, rabbit, chinchilla, a gerbil, guinea pigs, and hamsters. There are even stamps for non-furry friends who aren't as soft and cuddly, all Also featuring on these stamps will be a a hermit crab, an iguana, a tortoise, a corn snake, a gecko, a goldfish, and a betta fish. The Postal Service hasn't said exactly when these forever pet stamps will be issued, but it might be as early as May, which is National Pet Month. Canine Killer, as he is called by his handlers, is a very special service dog. His job is to hunt down rhinoceros poachers in South Africa, which is something plugging that country and depleting the number of wild rhinos beyond oblivion. Killer works with an anti-poaching force in Kruger National Park, and over the past four years, he and his team were responsible for the arrest and prosecution of over 115 people. So to honor Killer, he's been awarded a gold medal. Which was presented to him by actor Ricky Gervais. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update.
3: Get more at animalradio.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. We'll head back to the phones for your calls in just a couple of seconds
1: from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And there's so many reasons you should download that app. Not only can you ask your questions anytime, but you could listen to the show anytime when you want to listen to it. Uh, joining us, Animal Radio Veterinary Correspondent Dr. Marty Becker is back. How you doing?
4: Oh, doing good, friend. I, I heard on uh, one of your teases talking about clonics in dogs, and, and that's the true story. Over the holiday, I followed a van in Spokane that they were, they did colonics and the bumper sticker said hooked on colonics. Man, I, I can't get that thing out of my mind. Are hooked you, on um, colonics?
1: A mobile colonic van, huh?
4: Yeah. Mobile colonic van. Yeah. That oh, goes, yeah. I guess goes to your whole business, but you, you know, one thing is funny, they do do quite a few fecal transplants in dogs now. I that's heard about that. Yeah. yeah. That's something that's, uh, that's really oncoming, but here's what I want to talk about. I have some things that I want to get real here with things that maybe your veterinarian's telling you, That he shouldn't and things that your veterinarian might not tell you because either they're too busy. So let's start with the things that that if you have a veterinarian that is still recommending you get vaccinations every year for all the core diseases in dogs and cats, you should find another veterinarian. Mm. it's, It's inexcusable, except in some extreme case that Dr. Debbie and I probably don't even know. Uh, all the, the research is very well documented and the vaccine guidelines that have been produced by our professional organizations and including like the American Animal Hospital Association, the American Veterinary Medical Association, the American Association of Feline Practitioners, most of these core vaccines are given every three years. Uh, some other things need to be given yearly, uh, like, uh, you know, Bordetella for dogs. And, and there's some things that are mandated by law in certain areas. But if you have a veterinarian that's still every year, you know, poking full of holes like a watering can, I think it's unconscionable.
1: Now, you know, that's a, a, a dramatic change over the like last couple of decades.
4: Yes. Now, and we know, we, yeah, we, know, we know differently now. I mean, some people even claim that a one-time distemper shot is, uh, is all you ever need. I'm, I, I can't go there because the research has not been done. The duration of immunity, what we call it, has not been done. So we need to follow the vaccine guidelines. But most of these now, we know the immunity lasts uh, lasts three years, and you can test. It's much more reasonable to test titers now. So if you're the kind that wants to actually see, like the the fuel gauge in your car, how many antibodies your pet has and it's protected, you can do that. But there's still a, there's still a disproportionate, and I'm not talking, you know, I, I don't I don't even, I even know what the number was. Twenty five percent of veterinarians that are still recommended every year, and that's a ripoff. Um, and I'll, I'll get mail for that. I'll get hate mail. I might even get a death threat. But that's that's the truth. Okay. It, so that that's one thing. And two, you know, we're smart enough to know that you you uh, probably are going to get your flea and tick products somewhere other than the veterinary hospital. At least there's a good chance. Uh, we do have products that are proprietary that are. The, the state of the art, the leading products that you can only get from a veterinarian. And there's a good argument to be made for some of those, that that's what these pets should have. But you know what, if you used canine uh, advantage or frontline in the past and it's working well, uh, it's the same frontline you're going to get at, at um, Walgreens or Walmart or online. It's the same thing. Okay. But, but what I want you to do on food and stuff, I want you to at least ask your veterinarian. You're not going to offend us. A lot of people won't call because, Oh my gosh, they'll be upset because I don't buy it from them. Call up and say, you know, I am going to buy my product where I buy my groceries, or I shop at, uh, you know, I go to CVS all the time, or I do all my shopping online. Can you recommend one or two products that you feel comfortable, and then we can put it in the medical record so we know what you're using. So, and the next thing is about how to feed. This is so important that if you go to the zoo, I was out doing a, a an engagement just a few days ago, and you drive by the entrance to the Cincinnati Zoo, and if you were to go in there to the the lion enclosure or the wolf enclosure. It's basically four fences enclosing a wolf or a a coyote or a lion, and and that's what a home is. A home is four walls enclosing these pets, and we're learning so much more about how important enrichment activities are. So as part of this fear-free movement that I'm working on, we're really digging deep, and you see that we not only have to remove or reduce anxiety triggers, we have to tremendously increase the enrichment activities. And one of the easiest ways to do that is just switch your food bowls out for uh, food puzzles or food dispensing devices so that it's, a, it's an activity that doesn't just feed the body but feeds the mind. And the last thing is about creating fear-free veterinary visits. People will be excited to know the profession is changing. Uh, you're going to find veterinarians in the future being more like uh, pediatric dentists or pediatricians where we're really looking after both the physical and emotional well-being of your pets basically uh, I'll just tell you two or three things you can do to help your pet have a fear-free visit one is to s- start planning the visit two or three days out when you get the carrier out if it's a small dog or a cat start a magic carpet ride of pheromones uh, you want to start your vehicle up so it's the, it's Almost uh, room temperature when they go out You know, a cat lives at 72 degrees Don't go take him out in North Idaho Today where it's 19 degrees <laughs> and start it up Head in. Uh, don't maybe talk them on the way in. If if best To say nothing or talk to him in a normal voice Like you were going to the dog park there actually is music you can download to play or your veterinarian can send it to you in an MP3 file called through a dog's ear, through a cat's ear. And this is important when you get to the clinic. If you have one of those dogs that loves to be around people and loves to wait in the, in the waiting area, fine. But for most pets, ask if you can go straight into an exam room to be checked in remotely. Or if they don't have the technology to do that or they're too busy, go check in and go back out and wait in your vehicle, in your car, until it's your turn to be seen. And lastly, bring your pet in very hungry so it responds better to food rewards. I'm evangelical.
1: Dr. Marty Becker, if you want to learn more about him, links to everything that he does over at animalradio.com. Just hit the zoo crew link. You're
0: listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio
10: app for iPhone and Android. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. Last week, I promised to tell you what dogs need the most and that it wasn't love. The first is something we call socialization. So from the time he's a little puppy, make sure to bring him around as many people and as many different dogs as you possibly can and put him in as many different situations as you can. Take him on walks, take him to the dog park so that he comes in contact with many different people, kids, and other dogs. This'll help you raise a calm, secure, confident dog. <laughs> Number two on the list. My neighbor Jason's dog sitting, he'll help illustrate. Jason, are you scared of that dog? Uh do you have any proof of that earlier? It's okay, buddy. Just tell me what he's doing. He I growled really sharply and think like, like he jumped. Well, that leads into the second most important thing dogs need. They need a strong, confident leader. They need structure. Because they're pack animals. And dogs instinctively know that the only way they're gonna survive is in a pack. And they want to know their place in the pack. So every now and then your dog's going to challenge you like this one's challenging Jason. And that's because the pack hierarchy never stays the same. So once in a while, your dog's going to try to redefine it, find his place in the pack again. This dog's pack is left, and because of that, the dog is testing Jason. And it's up to him to be strong, confident, and assertive, letting the dog know he's in charge. In your house, the humans have to be in charge, and the rules have to be the same for everybody. That means if your dog's not allowed on furniture, nobody in your pack can let the dog on furniture. It confuses them makes them anxious all the rules have to be the same and all the humans have to be in charge
9: he jumped to the kids <laughs> on, my, on my head
10: he's decided he's in charge jason he's the pack leader to change this never let your dog walk in the house first don't let him pull you on a leash he should always be walking at your side maybe a little bit behind you be in charge of his food and ask him to sit before you put it on the floor and don't let him have at it until you say it's okay and give him a signal i'm not that way with dogs <laughs> well you need to learn how to do that buddy it's, it's simple you I don't, have a dog. Well, you don't don't need a dog. You just have to speak dog. I'm going to go over to the neighbor's house and help Jason out. This is Animal Radio, baby.
1: Well, as many of you know, we've added a new puppy to the Animal Radio Studios, Pixel.
6: Also known as Pixelator or Picasaurus. It's been a long time since we've had a puppy. Oh, Uh, yeah.
1: As you know, if you've ever had a puppy, they have a lot of energy and you've got to have a lot of energy, too. Especially when it comes to training.
6: Potty training, that is. Of course. Well, all training all around, but potty (laughs) training is is one of the first things you want to do.
1: And so we're using pads, but not just regular pads. 14 years ago when we raised our last puppy, all there was was these uh, very cheap pads. They would go on the pad. It would leak off the pad. They would step in it. It would end up all over the house.
6: Oh, yeah. They couldn't even finish their business without having it pool around their feet. Then someone turned us on to
1: Smart. W-I-Z-S-M-A-R-T, Smart.
6: Yeah, we were desperate to find something that would work better than those old ones. We needed something that could absorb quickly. And the Wismart ones, they're thick, they absorb up to eight cups, and it's not a one-shot deal. You can use them over, over and, and over. over. You can use them for, you know, up to 12, 24 hours. The other ones, they do it once and you had to throw it away. But these last a long time because they absorb so much and so quickly.
1: I had to do a little research into their leak-proof design. I found out they're made from upcycled materials, deconstructed, and of course, unused diapers. Now when Pixel goes to the bathroom, she keeps her paws dry, and she doesn't track around the house, and she can use the same pad all day long.
6: Yeah, we don't have to run over there and change it real quickly and try to get it before it leaks all over the floor.
1: I think any time we find something here at Animal Radio that we really like, we want to share it with you. We Smart Pads, not only good for the puppies, if you have a senior dog... (laughs) (laughs)
6: <laughs> she endorses the product as well
1: check out their website that's wizsmart.com that's w-i-z-s-m-a-r-t dot com and follow them on facebook and instagram
3: my mom wants a grandson so i gave her one kind of what you what you doing, meet xander a rescue dog who thinks he's a lion sometimes xander gets messy when mom takes him for an adventure that's where the bark bath comes in specially designed nozzles get beneath the fur for a deep clean it's faster than a traditional bath which leaves time for the important things like watching a sunset the bark bath from Bissell, the faster easier less messy way to bathe your dog this is
16: animal radio baby
1: and we have george on the phone hey george how are you doing
16: I'm doing fine, Dr. Debbie. I have a fat Siamese cat, and I'm standing next to her right now. When I come into the room, this is what she does. Did you hear that? Do it again. (laughs) Well, she's getting fatter, so I've cut her diet down to whenever she does this to me, which is quite often. I've got like a 2 tablespoon uh, size cup, and I just take a little... I use this Iams um, Proactive Health Indoor Weight Hairball Care and... Mm -hmm. uh, she gobbled it up, then she goes around the carpet a few hours later, or maybe even a few minutes later, throws it up, and then comes back and says,
2: meow. Oh, poor <laughs> dear. Uh, now, how much does this kid weigh?
16: 12 pounds.
2: Yeah, that's a big Siamese, because a lot yeah. of female Siamese will be about 6, 7, even 8 pounds. So yeah, yeah. that sounds a bit heavy. Okay, so, so she's very vocal, and then when she is vocal, you feed her. Is that pretty much what I'm getting?
16: Well, yeah, what am I supposed to do? Just let her meow till you know, I can't stand it anymore?
2: (laughs) Oh, gosh, you know what? Okay, here's some kitty tough love advice. (laughs) Well, to some degree, Siamese will talk to you about anything and everything. And if she's learning the cue of talking to you gives me food, that's a positive reward that she has just gotten for that. Now, some folks with Siamese love that verbal nature that they have, and they love to kind of chatter back and forth with their kitties. I am a little troubled, though, that this is rewarded by feeding um, in every instance. And we need to find a substitute action or behavior that we can reward, um, if you will, (laughs) her talking to you and Uh find a different way that we can do feeding. So there are some ways, but it does take tough love. And I'm very serious about it that you have to kind of get yourself out of the feeding equation. So for a kitty that is a real big demander of feeding, uh, one strategy that I would work towards is to try to get her to utilize a timed feeder. And the idea with this is that we don't want her to cry and get food. We want her to learn that food will come from this magical box and that it will come at set times in meowing to dad isn't going to make me this open up any sooner so uh-huh. that that takes time so there are ways to kind of get her used to that um, and there's some great time feeders that you can purchase online um, pet stores and so forth where you basically have a battery and then little compartments open at preset times uh-huh. um This is a great tool for that cat that tries to wake you up in the middle of the night at two, three a.m. Instead of getting up when they do this, you you train them that they go to the feeder at that time, and it opens up on its own. So that way, you take yourself out of that equation. You can sleep at night. (laughs) Right. So, so to get to that, on
16: top of me at night. Oh, (laughs) I know that. In there.
2: Well, we definitely don't want her to get too heavy because that will make and, it difficult to sleep. Then. <laughs>
16: and yeah, and then when, if I move, she complains.
2: Oh, she's got you wrapped around her little paw. I can tell. Oh, yeah. Now, so some of the other things that I would say, working towards this idea of getting her to a time feeder, you can actually um, work on measuring her daily amount of her food in a container. So uh-huh. what we would want to do is to give her opportunities to work for her food independent of you so you might have to fill a little toy there are nice little interactive toys uh, made by some different companies where they're basically kind of little puzzles they're little uh, plastic chew toys where you put the kibbles inside the item they bat it around by the paw action by chasing after it little pieces of food fall out Uh so that's a very good way to kind of get her activity level up and to make her work for food because if you face it Indoor cats sit around on their butt and wait for us to serve them. So this will give her something to do and to also kind of, uh, you know, get her off that couch and work for that food there. (laughs) Right.
16: She still gets up and chases a laser light every once in a while when she got the energy.
2: Good, good. Yeah. And laser pointers are great to get cats moving and things like the little cat dancers, the fish pole toys, things like that can be also wonderful to get, you know, get them moving a little bit. And, right. uh, you know, if, if we don't have her um, necessarily on a weight loss diet, you might want to see, you know, talk to your veterinarian if she's a candidate for being on a weight loss diet. Um, but that might be another strategy to kind of help her out and try to get um, some of this weight off and, uh, you know, get get her trimmed down a little bit here. <laughs>
16: So how much food should I give her a day?
2: Oh, that's a great question. And the answer is um, I will usually refer people to the bag of the food that they're on (laughs) because every diet is a little bit different in the calorie content. So there's no way we can compare uh, food one, two, or three to each other. Um, So we'll have to look at what the calorie content is. And especially with a weight loss diet, we can feed a little bit more of that and they'll feel a little bit more satisfied. Um, If we just limit regular cat food that you might buy for any cat um for a cat that's overweight by limiting the volume of food you're also limiting the nutrients and they'd be missing out on things and and definitely can have some nutritional issues so um you know that that too we might have to get her into a weight loss diet um you know one of maybe the high protein diets um that kind of work like catkins if you will um, to help them lose (laughs) lean weight (laughs) But usually if I've got an overweight cat, um, really um, it's difficult to get cats to lose weight in general. It really is. It's hard. It, it's, it's harder than me eating pizzas and drinking wine on the weekends. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I would consider getting her on a weight loss diet. Those are generally prescription foods. There's a lot of different companies that have those. And um, th- that might be one other thing that we can do to really get this girl to kind of trim down a little bit more.
16: Yeah, she's turning into a round ball.
2: Oh, yeah. And you know what? I love the Siamese. They're very vocal. They can be very active and very athletic, too. So maybe if we can kind of get this gal leaned down a little bit, um, you know, you might see some more of that kittenhood come back.
16: Okay. Well, thank you.
1: Good luck with that. Let us know how that goes, George. We appreciate your call today.
16: Well, thank you. I enjoy listening to your show. So do I. (laughs) It went by
1: pretty fast, too. If you need an Animal Radio fix during the week, head on over to AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, and we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here.
6: Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: This is Animal Radio
6: Network. Network.